0: Well, it's uh, <laughs> always the first first couple of minutes of uh, Dr. David Ross Marin's uh, visits to us here at JMAM, even before, you don't need those it's up to you, but even before we get on the air, always very, very interesting. I've learned a lot over the last couple of minutes, including the fact that he just completed a brand new book, so he must have had a very anxiety-filled experience, because we know when it comes to writing books, that can be a very anxious experience. Good morning, Dr. Ross Barrett, welcome back to JM of the AM. Good morning, and thank you for putting me on the spot. <laughs> Am I right, though? It's a, an anxious experience? It's one filled with anxiety? I
1: was pretty chilled, actually, throughout <laughs> really? this one. Well, first, it took me four years, <laughs> yeah. but also I learned a lot about uh, the topic. It was a topic of love, and um, it's been, it, was, it was actually a lot of fun,
0: believe it or not. Interesting. So writing books can be, and publishing in general, can be a pleasant experience. It can be. Most most, <laughs> most authors you know are on the other side of this of this yeah, argument, right? I guess. You've never heard that before? <laughs> yeah. That can be a harrowing experience? Center for Anxiety has a website, centerforanxiety.org. Their locations include West 57th Street in New York City, Bedford Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, Route 59 up in Suffern, and one in Massachusetts as well that we always mention. And uh, it's been a while since we've seen you. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate that. Let me tell you what's been causing anxiety in the uh, in the Jewish world uh, okay. <laughs> recently. First of all, with the with the embassy move, some people had some anxiety, yeah, no what, wondering what the reaction would be. No uh, You know, in many cases, um, um, uh, developing I don't know if this is a, a proper term, developing false anxiety, or or or, 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 c- or creating for themselves problems before they actually existed, thinking that the world would come to an end if the embassy was moved. So that was that was one thing that came to my mind. Very then, much. So. Then I'll tell you another thing that was that was filled with anxiety outside of Israel. We just had a three day untiff. And a, <laughs> a three day untiff, I will tell you, can be a, an anxiety filled one as one spends seventy three hours with family and friends. It
1: it certainly can be for, for a variety of reasons, the family and friends and also a lot of people today are not very good at chilling out and right. relaxing and enjoying. Right. So when we have to do that for a protracted period it's
0: like ah what right. am i going to do it's funny uh, the people that mentioned to me since monday night how great it was to be disconnected and you know what that term means these days to be disconnected for 3 days right, from they they were, they were all above a certain age nobody in their 20s said to me it was great being disconnected for 3 days
1: that's uh, it's a, it's it's a lost art to be able to you know r and
0: r right Actually the truth is one should be one should give themselves a pat on the back after Havdalah that they made it through the 73 <laughs> hours without Without that anxiety or anxiousness of having no choice but to pick up their phone, I
1: couldn't couldn't agree more. It's I think true. Huh? It's great.
0: How was your yacht? Was it relaxing? Great. Effect? It was
1: great. I you, relaxed. You didn't feel
0: you didn't feel at a, a loss so that you were missing anything with without the alerts or without the news or without all the other stuff. Coming I in?
1: I have I have a, a, an advantage that other people do not have, and that is I see the difficulty of not doing so, and it's in my face professionally on a d- regular basis. So I know that I have to learn to chill, and so, I do.
0: So it didn't bother you that you missed the royal. Wedding. That that was not a big concern of yours over Yacht. Royal what? What, what? Royal wedding. <laughs> what royal wedding? Anyway, so those, those are just a couple of areas that have been uh, causing a little bit of anxiety in the community recently. Both of those are behind us. There is something ahead of us, and that's uh, the summer months. This is the time when uh, when both parents and uh, youngsters are getting ready for summer camp. Right. Some of them very excited about it other the others of them not always excited, you know, anxious wondering what the uh, experience is going to be like. By the way, sometimes I think that it might be more difficult for parents than for the campers. And I'll tell you why. For some reason, even those uh, this has been my observation. and As you know, I know, I know a little bit about summer camping. Um sure. it's it's always been my observation that the kids who are going through this first time experience have this this dual feeling going through them. The tremendous excitement of this new adventure and stuff that things that their classmates and others have done before, now they get to do. And of course, the other side, they're somewhat anxious and wondering... What's the experience going to be like? It's a foreign environment, etc. Right. But with the parents, I don't know if they have the first one. I think they only have the second one. I don't think they have that excitement that their kid is going. I think they're only worried about what this transition is going to be like.
1: Yeah, what the transition is going to be out and what the fallout is going to be, right. you know, is it going to, how it's going to impact them, and also the cost. There's a number of reasons why the parents would, uh, would have a difficulty with So, it. What, so what advice
0: would you give at this time of year?
1: Well, there's a lot. and It kind of relates to what we were saying before about the three-day yumtiv, that um You know, I think the most, what is summer camp for? Ultimately, it's about one thing. Three-letter word. Fun? Fun! Good. It's about having fun. Thank God I got that right. (laughs) I don't know,
0: someone may walk in and say, you know, enhanced education experience or something. That's exactly
1: what it's not about. (laughs) Thank God. Because, yeah, thank God is right. Because over the academic year, people are pushing their kids to the brink these days. And it's because everybody has to get ahead and we need to... either either because we have to one-up somebody else and our kids have to one-up somebody else for status symbols, and also just to have a sense of accomplishment ourselves. That is not what summer is about. In fact, it's not really what life is about. Life is about connection and forging relationships, and the success we have is a tool to be able to forge those relationships. But at least for a couple months a year, at least for a kid... Poor thing, you know, ghost has a double curriculum. <laughs> she has a, a, a double you know, has teachers and principals and people on his case or on her case the entire year with so much social pressure. And then it's not only during school, it's also the after school activities. Right. And those aren't fun. Those are tasks to be able to master. There are things that they have to be able to become a you know, master uh, whether it's ballet or right. uh, or an instrument or plus,
0: even if it is fun, it's part of a very rigorous schedule. It's
1: all in especially in New York, especially in the northeast, right. it's 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 pressure mm-hmm. and that's not what summer is for. Um, certain kids though, it's tricky because they really have an acumen and it's really a great opportunity for them without an academic pressure to be able to immerse themselves in, let's say a tennis camp. Or a ballet camp, or a something specialty like that. camp, but those kids, I would never uh, put them in, in such a camp. I would never uh, recommend that they be in such a place unless they're the kind of kid who knows how to chill during the year. If they really can chill and relax and just hang with their friends, and they're um, they're able to do that, if they if they were um, not uh, negatively affected by the three day umptive, then they're a good. Then they might be a good candidate. Um, but pushing a kid beyond that um for sure not interesting
0: most not today i don't know about most but there's a large group of parents that would not listen to your advice i imagine so that and would feel that the the alternate or the you know the um the other side of the issue is more important getting them ahead and uh you know getting them to hone a skill that could lead to whatever it ends up leading that's to exactly why i'm saying this no no i get that yeah. i'm just saying that it's not it's it, to you it's logical to many of us, it, says it doesn't seem like the logical uh, route. Well, I'm not
1: sure if it's logical or if it's empirical because mm. we're looking at levels of anxiety and depression among children and young adults today that are far beyond what has ever what has ever
0: occurred. Do many of them say they're overworked? Sure. If you ask them. It's a feel, big symptom.
1: Absolutely. If you have conversations with the children, and that we do anyway, or at least the ones who are coming into our office, they feel stressed. They feel like people don't understand them. They feel that they have... As young as... Six. And certainly teenagers. Teenagers for sure. They are in there. It's incredible pressure today um, to get ahead, which is so ironic because we're more affluent than we ever have as a society. Right. We're doing better. We're more successful than we ever have been. There's, there's more creature comforts and more basic things in place. More people have motor vehicles and indoor plumbing and, and electricity and, and, right and, than, than we ever have. Yet we're pushing ourselves harder than
0: ever, and we don't know how to relax it's even the for strangest 72 thing. hours. And taking two-day vacations instead of two-week vacations. <laughs> Let alone two months. Right. Oh, forget that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that. But that's part of life. You know, I, I was talking with, uh, with my partner here, David Braid, on the way in. And we are talking about, uh, about Shabbos, that Shabbos is part of life. You know, right. so once in every seven days, just taking off. I'm not talking about Shabbos here. I'm mm-hmm. talking about the the idea that the need for rest. Human beings have a need for rest and, rec- and recreation and relaxation and hanging out and just being and
0: forging those connections and friendships and that's what summer's for. It's funny because a lot of people, I'm just processing this as you're saying it. A lot of people would sit where you are and say, you know, we. A certain category of people are called workaholics totally and that is a and 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 what they would say is it is a negative term to call someone a workaholic not because just follow me not because um, they're describing a quote-unquote disease like you know uh, alcoholic or something you know that's where they get the term from obviously right. but because they because anybody who uses the term is degrading those who are spending their time working, who are, you know, utilizing their time productively. There are people who would say that, yet you're saying that, it, that, well, what would you say about a workaholic? What would you say about somebody who is on, you know, 20 hours a day, seven days a week? What 20
1: would- hours is a lot. Listen, I- I'll tell you, I'm somewhat guilty as charged here because I'm working probably s- between 65 and 80 hours a week. Oh. And so you're the perfect specimen for yeah. us to analyze. But when I chill out. <laughs> I,
0: I take time to chill out right. and relax. Because you're conscious of it.
1: Because I And I do it intentionally. And when I do
0: that, then right. I'm not And some of the workaholics may not realize that they'll get more accomplished if they would do that. 100%. And, they, and their life in general would be even more productive if they would do that, right?
1: No question. The litmus test of a workaholic is, do you like to relax? Right. Do you like to chill? Or is it something that when you start to do it, this anxiety creeps right. in, tension creeps in? If it's the latter, then you should probably call my office. My,
0: fa- <laughs> no. my family jokes that I can't. Go through a day if I haven't been on the air that morning. Well, you're so
1: chilled now, so I don't know. Maybe you're working. Yeah, good idea.
0: Uh, maybe that's actually a good point. You know, maybe I'm so chilled it. on the air. That, that work is a chilling experience for me. Yeah, I, I maybe guess. As many, maybe as many have suggested, it's not really work. <laughs> that could be. Yeah,
1: I just you know channel that inner ability to chill in other contexts. All right.
0: And- so back to the topic. Dave, uh, Dr. David Rosemarin is here, Center for Anxiety. What practical <laughs> advice are we giving to parents? for the next few weeks as they go through the next 30 days because in about 30 days the kids are right. getting on the bus what are we telling them about preparing themselves and their children for the summer
1: right okay so number one just to sum up, what we were saying is Chill yourself, model chilling out behavior, Tell, encourage your kids to chill out. Right. Don't put them through more pressure than they have to be. That's number one. And in
0: this case, that means don't sit and worry about stuff, that, which is happening a month from now, right? That's part of it.
1: Or while they're there. like oh, are, you know, they're are they going right. to be prepping for their SATs? No. And you know what? I hope not. Right. I hope that they're just relaxing and chilling right. with their friends. And so then this is not, not a
0: homesickness that. transition discussion. This is a you know what a kid needs to do, what you need to encourage your kid to do with their summer. So
1: homesickness is it, there is a transition that occurs right. to many kids when they go to camp, which is perfectly normal. It's hard. Some I would th- think
0: it's part of the anxiety. Yeah,
1: well, I think it, it gets worsened when kids don't know how to just relax and be. Um, if a kid is happy-go-lucky and chilled and relate and can relate to others and has that connection, then it's easier for them to let go right. and to be away from mom and dad and from their siblings and their, their creature comforts of their of their own. Uh Their own home, and then they can they can just chill out more, but there is another aspect of that, which is that people do have difficulty transitioning um most people do it 's not Right. You know, and that's not a sign of anything wrong. Right. I mean, Most people
0: don't like change.
1: Yeah, and and that's fine. You know, if it's a couple of days that the kids having a hard time, you know, especially the first summer, you might even expect right. it to be a week or longer that you know a child is or a parent for that matter, you know, putting your kid on right. the bus for the first time, right. first child. You know, it's not the you know. Yes, I not, speak.
0: I can speak from experience on that you know, one.
1: <laughs> that <laughs> night, like, oh no, what's happening to them? I and mean, that's normal. That's nothing to be worried about. That's just you know a, a transition to or from. Also, by the way, there's also the transitioning from. On the other side of camp, that when they come back, right. you know, having s- some sort of adequate structure in the weeks right. uh, between camp and school that right. holds them and contains them enough, but isn't overwhelming. Sort of having you know, and it, they're
0: also used to a little bit of independence, right? Even though right. they're in camp, still they're away from family, etc. Right. right,
1: right, and they might have changed during camp. Right. They might have uh, met new people who are good influences or maybe not such good influences, right. and you know, those are those are those have to be navigated. Um, Well, one of the things we've done for that also is we have these one-session meetings at our office. Um, People often think of psychotherapy as being many years, decades, multiple times a week, (laughs) you know, uh, enormous um, uh, investment of time and and energy and and finances for that matter. What we often do around camp time is offer single sessions that parents um, will either come themselves or they'll bring their child for one session and meet with a member of my staff. Month of June. Typically, this time of year, right. yeah, and either because it could, often it's because they, either they or, or one of their siblings had a difficult adjustment the previous right. year, but it could it really should be done prophylactically, like before there's an issue. If there's any concern that there might be an issue, bring them in and or have a conversation with someone uh, 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 um, with a professional. Just what are the issues? How do I navigate this? Um, and really, because the the general advice that I'm seeing now really does have to be tailored to each individual.
0: Hmm, interesting. But those discussions are in a group, right? Or not? Are those discussions... No. No, those are one-on-one. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. No, we don't have groups
0: for this kind of thing because it it really is individually individually tailored. All right. So now uh, uh, one of the most sensitive topics, of course, is that uh, every parent, especially these days, is concerned about the potential for their children to, God forbid, be abused in, in a summer camp atmosphere. There are other atmospheres as well, but let's start with one of the most obvious, which is summer camp. Right. And you... Based that I don't know if the study you told me about in advance of this program I don't know if it's been published. It has. Yeah, is it, it available to the public? Yes.
1: Yes. And the full text is actually available online
0: with PubMed. So okay, so people need to know that I, anything we're going to cite is actually published already and out there. Correct. Just last month. Yeah. And and let's put it this way: the the percentages that were discovered uh, in our community, in the Jewish community, all right. facets of the Jewish community, all 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 parts of the Jewish community, uh, the the percentage, even though they're not alarming, alarming compared to the general community, nonetheless, are alarming enough. Is that a good way of putting it?
1: I think they're quite alarming. You do think so? It's not more... The prevalence of sexual... According to the research that I did... Um, and this has been uh, found with other uh, research groups who have done similar work in the Jewish community. The prevalence of sexual abuse is not higher than it right. is in the greater community. Not uh, at least not not among Orthodox or
0: non-Orthodox. Right. It's not. Nonetheless, it's too high because it's too high everywhere.
1: And the n- the numbers that came out of our study were one si- one in six boys and one in four girls. And we're not just talking about unwanted touch. This right. is this is uh, something serious is abuse cases. A problem.
0: Um, so now that parents are hearing this and the evidence is in, so to speak, right, what you would call empirical evidence that people could actually read and, and follow up on, right, because they could see this study, right. what additional advice, in addition to everything we've said for years about these types of things to our audience, what would you say to parents before summer camp?
1: The most important prevention aspect thing, and also which, if God forbid there is something that occurs, serves as a treatment The most important thing to do here is to make sure that the lines of communication are open and it cannot be stressed enough. What that means is typically having a simple conversation with a child at some point in their early developmental period um, when it's appropriate for the child, which is about sometimes people do things which are inappropriate. Um, or make one feel uncomfortable. Make people feel uncomfortable, and if that happens, it's very important that you come and talk to me about it. It's just that's the most important thing: is to make sure that the child feels comfortable coming to the parent with something that is un- it is uncomfortable to them, if it occurs, and that the parent and child can speak it out, and that the child has mentorship to be able to handle it. There's nothing more important.
0: Here. And the more one says that to their child, I would guess, the more likely. In the eventuality, the child would turn to the parent. Well, this is something that has to be drummed into them, Yes right? and no.
1: Yes and no. What has to be drummed into them is that the parent um, is there for them, can guide them, un- loves them unconditionally. That's also related to what we were saying before about chilling, because if you have these expectations of your child, then they might want to socially appear a certain way to the parent and present right. as being more strong than they really are, or as though nothing happened to me, or something did happen, but it doesn't really matter. But if we can convey the message that we accept our kids the way they are, that we love them for who they are, no matter what has happened to them or what might happen to them and that we're there for them no matter what. So that message has to be drummed in. I don't think talk to me about abuse. If it occurs right. over and over, I think that might make a kid um, more anxious than right. they need or to paranoid. be. Yeah. Um, um, so I think it has to be said definitely at least once and clearly prior to going to camp. um, but beyond should that, should the
0: recommendation be made by a parent that there are going to be certain adults there, whether it's older siblings or, you know, I don't know, people in camp that, that we as your parents are familiar with already division heads, uh, head of camp, that you, my child, can go to and speak to? in this type of situation. That's a
1: great tool to have confederates, to have people who are either in the camp community, if you will, that the child can go to because the parent doesn't have access. Uh, I I think that's fine. Again, it's all about communication. Uh, The cases that I've seen where people have an abuse history and it turned very problematic for them in terms of their emotional functioning, all of them, 100% of those cases, were where the lines of communication broke down between the child and the parents. And as a
0: result, the child didn't get the guidance or the protection that they needed. Wow, what a statement! Very important and a great tip pre-summer for all parents out there. And uh, can't be emphasized enough. And frankly, when you think of preventative measures, it's one of the easiest things one can do. So simple, <laughs> you know. It's uh, and and look what one could, God forbid, be preventing. Right. Um, good piece of advice. Um, Dr. David Ross Marin is here We're talking about uh, pre-summer jitters, anxiety, different things that both. Potential campers um, and uh, and parents are going through at this time of the year as summer camp is upon us. Information about everything we discussed, by the way, centerforanxiety.org. Their offices are on West 57th Street in New York, Bedford Avenue in Brooklyn, Route 59, up in Suffern. What's the subject of your book, by the way? What's it called?
1: Ah, uh, thanks. Spirituality, Religion, and Cognitive Behavior Therapy, A Guide for Clinicians. Hmm. So this is a book for... Um, people in the mental health field who want to learn how to talk to their patients about spiritual and religious issues.
0: Interesting. And they themselves don't necessarily have to be... Not necessarily. ...spiritual or religious. Not necessarily. That's correct. In order to do that. That's correct. Um, Do you, by the way, and and this may be a loaded question only because of your background, but would you say in general... That the only that that someone who is guided one hundred percent by religion, and the majority of the people in this audience are okay. quite obviously, um, should seek out help from somebody who can intelligently speak about, even possibly from experience, religious and spiritual issues.
1: You're talking about seeking out a therapist, yeah? Who
0: does? Um, in general, for mental health advice.
1: In general, for mental health advice, um, spiritual and religious issues are often very. Closely connected to mental health um, in both positive and negative ways. Um, in fact, we just had an event last night about this subject in uh, in Crown Heights, yeah. entitled uh, "Spiritual Struggles and Mental Health," um, and it was uh, a discussion, a panel led by David Braid. In fact, who's right uh, right here in the studio um, with myself and Aladnoorai, who's um, really a really awesome awesome dude. Um, and, uh, we spoke about the experiential aspects of it. So bottom line, uh, what came out of our discussion last night is that, uh, spirituality can be a very powerful guiding force, like you've said. And for that very reason, it can be something that helps a lot of people in their mental health. And it can also be an area in which people struggle. Most, uh, individuals who have a religious background are in a religious community when they have mental health, uh, concerns, They take a religious framework. The aspects of spirituality are relevant to their symptoms. So how could you not go to a clinician who's going to be able to discuss those with you? Now, do they have to be from your faith? Not necessarily. Some people feel more comfortable speaking about their religion with someone who's outside of the faith. And that's fine. Um, But the point is to go to a clinician who's going to respect it, who's going to recognize the positive and negative aspects of faith and how those relate to their mental health, and to help. Uh, a patient to gain clarity around that issue. Those are the main. Those are the main points.
0: Well, good luck with the book. Thank you. It sounds like one that uh, the academics and clinicians are going to appreciate greatly. I hope so. Who publishes a book like that?
1: So Guilford Publications. Hmm,
0: we've heard of that. Guilford
1: Press. Yeah, they do a lot of the uh, uh, modern psychology clinical kind Very of books. Nice. So
0: pre-summer meetings. Contact any of your locations? Go to the website? What do you want people to do?
1: Any of our meetings. Any of our locations. Um, they can definitely call the call the office. and You have that number. They can definitely go to the website. Um, I just want to mention something. If sure. parents have a concern about how, or a question about how to speak to their children about that sensitive topic of abuse that we were speaking about, or if they have other questions about this area, uh, as you know, we offer these three... For a free 30-minute consultations for anybody in the community. Right. People can call our office, whether they're parents, whether they're educators, whether they're camp directors or potential counselors. People can call our office, and it's a service that we provide, and we love to provide it. My clinicians love doing it. They say, hey, I got a 30-minute consult. That's great, because they're they're very happy to be able to provide this free guidance and, and service to people. Um, so people can just call the office, and uh, we're very happy to... Um, to, to try to help them in a limited way.
0: All right. Uh, the Center for Anxiety, they are at um, uh, West 57th Street in New York. They're up in Suffern. They're in Brooklyn and Crown Heights. They have an office in Massachusetts as well, and there is a phone number, as Dr. David Ross-Marin mentioned. There is a phone number to call, 1-888-837-7473, 1-888-837-7473 website centerforanxiety.org centerforanxiety.org you can subscribe there to their newsletter as well on the site and be in touch they're offering free service which is pretty amazing and of course a lot of great advice pre-summer for parents who uh, would like to seek some additional advice uh, to strengthen the um uh the um i guess we'd say the the strategies for strengthen the the whole strategic outlook of how a parent prepares their kid for camp strategic is exactly the word
1: can't just amble into parenthood and Being, uh, you know, doing it well.
0: Yeah, exactly. I thank you very, very much, Dr. Ross Marin. Okay. It was always wonderful to see you. Thank you. It's great seeing you. Stay as chilled as possible. (laughs) And you too. I appreciate that. (laughs) Centerforanxiety.org. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM.